A president of the United States once said, there is no such thing as a left or right. There's only the ultimate in individual freedom consistent with law and order or the ant heap of totalitarianism. And those who would trade our freedom for security have embarked on this downward course. That brilliant statement was made by Ronald Reagan. And during this time in American history marked by COVID-19 and the coronavirus, Reagan's words ring true today like perhaps never before. COVID-19 must not cause us to choose government-mandated security over our freedom. Are we trading our freedom for supposed government oversight of our lives? If so, we're edging closer towards totalitarianism. Is President Trump correct that we must open up this country and restore the freedoms of the American people? What is the left's end game with this virus? There are so many questions and hopefully for you so many answers. It's all ahead in this special edition of Hidden Headlines. Welcome to Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom, I'm Brian Sussman. More on me at my website, briansussman.com, or my Facebook page, Brian Sussman Show. In late April, Tucker Carlson of Fox News interviewed a longtime partner in a global consulting firm. It's called McKinsey & Company. The guy's name is Peter Walker, who Tucker was interviewing. And like so many in finance and consulting, Walker has spent much of his career doing business in China. During the interview, Walker was asked what he thought of China's lockdown and what was imposed in China in an effort to halt the spread of the coronavirus. Carlson asked, Credible reports suggest that Chinese authorities locked people in their apartments and left them to die. We know they snatched people off the streets and threw them into police vans. God knows where they went. That's the quarantine that you think they deserve such high praise for? Why? Carlson asked. And then Walker replied, Well, I think if you just look at the results, I know there's always going to be questions about exactly what the numbers are, but I think the harsh action that they took, given the scale of China and the number of big cities in it, was exactly what they needed to do to prevent the outbreak from going any further. The reality is the outbreak hasn't gone much beyond Wuhan. Now, think about this for just a moment. There were reports, and this is what Tucker Carlson was alluding to, there were reports of secret police kidnapping citizens off the street, authorities locking people in their apartments from the outside until they starved to death. And this partner from McKinsey said, quote, that was exactly what they needed to do. Now, think about this for just a moment. This is one of America's most prominent business leaders talking about totalitarianism. Apparently, totalitarianism doesn't shock us anymore, perhaps because all of a sudden, it's everywhere. Let me give you some examples. Recently, two armed police officers arrived at a family's home in Wisconsin during this coronavirus scare. Someone had reported the mother to police for arranging a play date for her daughter. A play date. 
The first police officers asked the woman, are you aware that there's a stay-at-home order right now by the government of Wisconsin? I don't need to explain that to you. The woman responded by asking, why are you here? The police officer responded, because your daughter is going to play at other people's home and you're allowing it to happen. Stop having your kid go by other people's home. The woman asked, are we done here? The police officer, and I'm just quoting from the transcript, the police officer then asked the woman for her name. She responded, I'm not giving it to you. I haven't done anything wrong. The first officer then said he already had the woman's name. We got it, the second officer told the woman. And that'll be documented too. It's going to be documented that you're uncooperative. Now, think about this for just a moment, friends. They're standing on her property, uninvited, lecturing her about the so-called crime of allowing her daughter to play outside. You're uncooperative. That will be documented, they say. The police were carrying out an order that has no basis in science, let alone sanity. You are uncooperative. That will be documented. Never in American history have politicians been more powerful than they are right now with these rules and regulations that, again, defy sanity and defy science. In the state of Maine, Governor Janet Mills now has the power to suspend any law she doesn't like. She can seize any state resource she feels like seizing. She can force any citizen or all citizens from their homes. The governor can do all of this for as long as she believes Maine is in a state of emergency. There is virtually, when you think about it, nothing Janet Mills can't do. And many governors now have these powers, like the big guy who runs Illinois, J.B. Pritzker. Recently, Pritzker explained why his word is now law in the state of Illinois. Quote, The stay-at-home order has prevented tens of thousands of illnesses and thousands of deaths, Pritzker said. He continued, History will remember those who put politics aside to come together to keep people safe. It will also remember those who so blindly devoted to ideology and the pursuit of personal celebrity that they made an enemy of science and of reason. What? Did you catch that? Those who doubt his decrees are now enemies of science and reason, enemies of of civilization itself, enemies of the state. Two days later, it emerged that Pritzker's own wife had apparently violated the lockdown order herself. She traveled to Florida. Pritzker was asked about this. The reporter said, What is your response to people who say the stay-at-home order and non-essential travel bans aren't being abided by your own family? I believe there's a report from Illinois Rising Action that says she recently traveled to Florida. That's what the reporter said to the governor. The governor responded, Well, first of all, I want to say that in politics, it used to be that we kept our families out of it. My official duties have nothing to do with my family, so I'm just not going to answer that question. It's inappropriate. And I find it reprehensible, honestly, that a reporter wrote a story about that. So simply asking about whether or not J.B. Pritzker's own family is obeying his orders is now inappropriate and reprehensible. In April, 
Prosecutors in New Jersey charged nine people for daring to participate in a Jewish wedding in their own backyard. Now, a few months ago, this would have been big news, but nowadays, it's buried. No one wants to talk about because how dare those religious Jewish people have a wedding in their own backyard with nine people. Also in April, Christians across across the country were legally prohibited from celebrating Easter in their own churches. And this story was pretty much ignored by the media at large. In fact, a lot of Christians thought it was appropriate to not meet for Easter Sunday. How, how is this happening? The First Amendment explicitly prevents government from making any law that inhibits the exercise of religion, faith. Millions of people have fled to America from around the world precisely because our Bill of Rights gives them this guarantee. It's how our country was founded. It's why our country was founded. Where did politicians get the authority to do all of this? And how are they continuing to get away with this? I live near a beach in California. Beginning at 9 a.m., the armed state police drive their brand new Ford F-250s on the sand and use their loudspeakers to announce, maintain social distancing, no sitting on the beach, keep moving. Friends, it's absolutely insane. You can't sit or lie down on the beach, even if you're the only person on the beach. But you can walk, you can run, you can swim, you can throw a football, You can bump a volleyball with a friend. No problem with that as long as you're social distancing and you keep moving. Of course, you can take your mask off when you're going into the water because otherwise even on the beach you have to wear your mask. But when you go into the water, you can take off your mask for that. But how about this? If you're throwing the football or bumping the volleyball and you pull down your mask to cough on your hand, complete with phlegm, And then throw that football or bump the volleyball? Well, apparently that's allowed for now because I've seen it happen with my own eyes. If you break these rules, by the way, that are being enforced, the fines in California are pretty steep, $1,000 in some cases. Now, I know working for the state parks in California makes for a well-paying job with a nice retirement plan, but there are some of us who would say, I'm not going to enforce these ridiculous rules. Seriously. There have to be some people working for the state parks who are saying, I'm not doing this. And to those, I would say, good for you. However, history is replete with well-meaning people in authority who would rather not make waves and simply follow the instructions, even if they know deep down inside the rules are preposterous. Folks, this is a test. This is a test of the totalitarian implementation system. This is a test. This past April 20th marked the 131st anniversary of the birth of Adolf Hitler. Now stay with me here, please. The unremarkable artist Adolf Hitler who painted cheap city scenes for a living and who for a time lived in a flop house because no one wanted to buy his art. He was basically homeless. He was poor. He was destitute, didn't have many friends at all. But despite all of this, 
he eventually would rise to become the dictator of Germany and the instigator of the Holocaust. Now, what most people don't realize is how quickly Hitler captured the America, or I should say the German imagination, and came to power. You see, totalitarianism historically comes quickly, and that's probably why there was that little slip of my tongue, the American imagination, I almost said, because it's as if people have been caught up with all of this, and aspects of totalitarianism are somehow appealing. Let's go back to Germany. Let me walk you through just a touch of history. Germany became a constitutional republic. It was the Weimar Republic in 1919. The Constitution contained 181 articles. It covered everything from the structure of the German state, also known as the Reich, how laws should be enacted, the rights of the German people to religious freedom, and other things. For example, all Germans, according to their Constitution, had the right to freedom of expression. All Germans had the right to peaceful assembly. All Germans had the right to freedom of religion. There was going to be no state church. State-run public education was to be free and mandatory for children. All Germans had the right of private property. All Germans had the right to equal opportunity and earnings in the workplace. The government, according to their constitution, was going to be made of a president, a chancellor, and a parliament. Representatives of the people had to be elected equally every four years by all men and women over the age of 20. The term of the president was to be seven years. All orders of the president had to be endorsed by the chancellor or the Reich minister. But then there was Article 48, which allowed the president to suspend civil rights and operate independently in an emergency. The first emergency was hyperinflation. In response, the government simply printed more money. Well, that effort backfired. It devalued the German mark. Inflation increased at an astounding level. The cost of living went through the roof, and many people quickly lost all they had. This was the backdrop to the rise of the German National Socialist Workers' Party, the Nazis when it was founded in 1920. When it was founded, it was just a small party, but Adolf Hitler was a part of the party. And he was using his oratory talent to attract more and more members. The party was characterized by extreme nationalism and anti-Semitism. And everyone just went along with it. The party radiated strength and vitality Its leaders were young, quite unlike the graying politicians of the established parties in Germany. In addition, Hitler's image as a strong leader appealed to all sorts of people. He was all set to unite the population and put an end to political discord and get the economy back on its feet. The Nazis focused on voters from all walks of life rather than just one group, such as workers or Catholics. They attracted many people, many people who had never even voted before or never interested in politics before. And then suddenly things began to move at warp speed. In 1932, the Nazi party had become the largest political party in Germany's parliament. 
In a surprising turn, Hitler was named, not elected, Germany's chancellor in January 1933. That's how popular he became. Within weeks, he invoked Article 48 of the Constitution to quash many civil rights and suppress members of, for example, the Communist Party. Joseph Goebbels, a future minister of propaganda within Nazi Germany, said, quote, it is like a dream. This is what he wrote in his diary. It is like a dream. In other words, it was amazing that Hitler was not elected by the German people, but yet he was still able to come to power in a legal way. In March 1933, Hitler introduced the Enabling Act to allow him to pass laws without the approval of Germany's parliament or president. And now, now Hitler was free to legislate as he saw fit and establish his dictatorship without any checks and balances. And before long, he claimed even more power. Soon, political opponents of the Nazis were essentially outlawed. And now that he became so powerful... It was time for the Nazis to bring society in line with the Nazi ideal. Many politically suspect people and Jewish civil servants were dismissed from their jobs. Trade unions were forcibly replaced by Nazi-friendly collectives. Everything un-German had to disappear. Books were publicly burned with great enthusiasm. Hitler and the Nazis successfully turned Germany into a totalitarian dictatorship in just a matter of a few years. And the majority of people didn't seem to mind at all. In fact, they were willing participants. Now, a little backstory on this podcast. I began writing to the script to this podcast after an experience my wife had at a grocery store a few days ago. This literally came to be in the middle of the night. I was so agitated by what I was thinking about as I slept that, that I thought I'm doing a podcast on this. And it developed from there. We live in California, as I mentioned. These ridiculous face masks are currently mandatory in public. My wife's at a grocery store that we regularly go to. She was in line to check out. Are you in line? She was asked by the checker. Yes, my wife replied. Well, you need to go around the aisle and enter from over there, pointing to a spot on the floor six feet from where my wife was standing. My wife said, I'm the only one here. Why should I have to walk around to the back of the store to return pretty much to the same checkout line. It's the rules, she was told. My wife walked directly to the checkout counter, placed her products on the conveyor and said, this is ridiculous. I'm the only person in line. There are only a few people in the store. I will never shop here again. You see, the problem is that so many people have been taught what to think, not how to think. At our schools. They're taught what to think, not how to think. Our entire public school system, for the most part, works that way. Students are taught for their tests. They are baby-stepped through writing essays. They have no concept of how to strategically think for themselves. These are the minds that the devilish lefties require to fulfill their takeover plans. And is takeover necessary? Well, here's what I wrote in my 2012 best-selling book, Eco-Tyranny, How the Left's Green Agenda Will Dismantle America. 
Karl Marx, the founder of communism, and his writing buddy, Frederick Engels, had something they called the laws of matter, the laws of matter. And I've often summarized the laws of matter this way. And again, I do this in the opening chapter of the book, Eco-Tyranny. I'll read right from the book. Committed Marxists are convinced that phenomena such as love, passion, value, and feelings aren't real because they're not composed of matter. Even consciousness, and especially faith in God, are simply the result of material interactions within the human mind. In addition, Marxists contend that some people are randomly spit out of their mother's womb with a better brain than others. Those with the better brains have a Darwinian authority to rule over those with the lesser brains, lest those with the deficient brains destroy the planet and kill one another. Thus, there is a need according to the Marxists, according to the communists, according to the totalitarians. There is a need for a heavy-handed form of government loaded with burdensome regulations and the perfect excuse for socialism, communism, fascism, and I might add totalitarianism. So getting back to the origins of this podcast, I woke up in the middle of the night thinking about the encounter my wife had, and I was also thinking about a conversation I had earlier in the day with a very well-known, older pastor of a megachurch whose sister died just a few weeks ago. He told me when he received her death certificate, he noted that it stated she died of the coronavirus. He immediately contacted her doctor, who he knew, and asked why her death was blamed on the virus, when in fact she was in the hospital because she was very ill with something else and was told via tests that she did not have COVID-19. The doctor told him that often the underlying cause of death is automatically attributed to COVID-19 in the hospitals these days if it cannot be 100% confirmed that the coronavirus was not present in the deceased patient. If that's true, it's more insanity. I came across a really interesting article I want to share with you. It's at theamericaninterest.com. It's written by a guy named Joseph Joffe. Joseph Joffe is a part of the Stanford Hoover Institution. Stanford University, of course, in Palo Alto, near San Francisco, is arguably the most liberal university in the United States and therefore the world. But interestingly, they have something called the Hoover Institution on campus, which is filled with very bright thinkers who happen to be conservative. This is an article entitled, On Coronavirus, Beware the Totalitarian Temptation. And Mr. Joffe writes, the coronavirus pandemic has revived an old nostrum. Totalitarians perform better in devastating times than democracies. However, he warns, their cure is worse than the catastrophe. So he talks about the initial outbreak of the coronavirus in China. And he says state control of information is a bridge to oppression that democracies must never cross. Now, of course, we don't have state control of information here in the United States, but it's almost as if the establishment media outlets here in the United States of America are working for an unseen leftist power. 
And as a result, they do control the flow of information. So he goes on to say that it was the absence of free media in China that enabled the Chinese communist regime to muzzle the whistleblowers of Wuhan at such a murderous price. Then he talked about Italy virtually copycatting China's antivirus warfare, practically locking down the entire country. And then Spain followed suit, as did France. He reminds us in the article that the governments of those countries were not communicating truthfully with the people. And he says, if governments do communicate truthfully with the people, the ruled do what needs to be done voluntarily. But he continues that there's a larger point to be made here. The irreducible trade-off between freedom and safety. You see, authoritarians love a crisis or even regularly manufacture them, he reminds us, because those crises justify untrammeled power. The logic is all too familiar. Posit a supreme evil and all other values must be betrayed. Freedom of expression freedom of movement, property rights, judicial review, individual autonomy, political competition, due process, rule of law. Well, we have to let these things go by the wayside because we've got something very evil in our midst. He says, do not forget that three viruses are in play right now. One infects the human body, the other, the body politic, and the third, the economy. Close it down and the enemy passes from the human bloodstream into the venerable creature called supply and demand. It's exactly what we're seeing right now in certain parts of the country, especially here in California. Yes, disease and death are real, he writes. But if the economy grinds to a halt as a consequence of a progressive shutdown, material misery creeps forward. Its relentless advance will also cause sorrow and distress, just as we're seeing right now, unleashing a kind of epidemic that really hasn't been seen in this country since the Great Depression. Oh, you want to see messy? Just let this continue. The totalitarian pump behind the scenes in America and the totalitarian pump behind the scenes, not just in America, but the world, is primed and ready. Friends, we need to be alert. We need to pray for wisdom. We need to rely on godly strength. And we need to make sure we do not keep silent. Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. I'm your host, Brian Sussman. More on me at briansussman.com. May you allow the God of creation to richly bless you. Thanks for listening. And as callers to my radio show would always say, I will now hang up on myself.